Welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast auctioning off a pair of Jeremy Schloss's old footy boots for charity. And a big thanks to Julian O'Neill for donating those ones. After a bit, they're a bit smelly, but that's all good. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we're discussing all of the late-breaking news and the wonderful world of rugby league. But first, I'm joined in the Media Watch Mario Studios by two people today. Uh, one is the only man to be berated on a Sydney bus for being the ghost of the late Michael Hutchins. Yes, it's Xander Risotto. Welcome to you, sir. Good the, to be back. And the other is waiting patiently beside me, as Big T would say. Uh, is the Rugby League podcast's equivalent of a James Bracey to Channel 9? He's on everything. It's Media Watch Mario himself. Welcome, sir. What a pleasure to finally be in my own studios. Obviously, this place is homage to you. Are you okay with the way it's furnished? Obviously, there's... A rather bizarre mural to you in the corner. I do apologise. I don't know why it's got a nine-inch long, um, but it was, it's meant to be uh, something very charitable to you. But the lack of hats, I think it really needed a nice red hat, and that disappoints me. It, a Trump hat would have done, not ideal, but I would have settled for any sort of red hat. Okay, so you would have liked a MAGA hat over the groin? Why not? Okay, that kind of makes it worse, I think, a little bit. Does that mean that your, your junk is an outrageous Republican and narcissist, but the rest of you is a Democrat? How would that work? Well, maybe it's that my junk is the wrong colour and I have to hide it behind the, the greatest colour ever. Mate, you've already said too much. I don't want to know about your discoloured penis. Uh, Xander, I need to talk to you as well, mate, because this is actually a true story. I didn't make this up. You were abused once on a public bus by a woman who thought you were the, the dead likeness of Michael Hutchins. Can you tell the listeners about that for me? She berated me, saying that she knew I was going to the airport. I know it's you, Michael. You faked your death. Oh, okay. So she thought you were actually him alive. Yeah, no, she didn't think I was the ghost of Michael. She thought I was him and that I had, you know, like because most people want to uh, have the media report on them dying after having masturbated through asphyxi- asphyxiation to death. Yes. Um, well, that was going to be my question. Why did she level that claim at you? Was it because you were whacking off on the back seat with a belt around your neck? No, I think she just liked the idea of it. It's a funny coincidence, but when I was about 14, I remember being on a school bus and I got mistaken for the for the ghost of Princess Diana and she wasn't actually dead yet. Was that a premonition? Like how long before the Paris crash was that? I uh, would have been about two years before. And I, the okay. wo- the so woman, there's no connection whatsoever? No, but the woman who said it was frothing at the mouth at the time, but it's mm. okay because she was hot, so I was happy to engage. Okay, well, you got to love it. Sydney Transport, folks, get involved. Uh, now you've got some light rail full of fucking weirdos to deal with. Uh, but thankfully, you only go at a top speed of seven kilometres an hour on that one, so it never gets too scary. So Josh Papali speed. Exactly, which is still too quick for Mitchell Orbison, <laughs> uh, apparently, this year. That was embarrassing. I was, I've tried to block that out, Mario. I also need to mention, Xander, your appearance on another podcast. I believe it's called Hypothetic Rugby League. Can you tell us about that one? Yeah, so... Uh, that- am, I, am I also... Should I feel insecure that you've been cheating on the show? I mean, you know, this is a little bit old news. I went on it about uh, six weeks ago now. And the, but it's only the, recently the, aired, The episode mate. dropped last... Well, I think it dropped before our last episode, didn't it? 
Um, oh, God knows. But anyway, no, it was it was good fun. Um, he's he's basically going through every single uh, club uh, in the competition and, and going back to the original post-Super League rationalisation of the competition and asking, if you had your time over again, mm. uh, who would you, you merge your club with? And, you know, where do you see other clubs having uh, best been merged? Yeah, and what did you come up with? Um, so we came up with, uh, you know, if, if we had to have merged the, the Roosters, we would have gone uh, with with uh, Balmain and called them the Griffins. Could you see yourself because... getting behind the Griffins? No. No. Well, it's a bad idea, it isn't is, it? It yeah. is, which is why hey, I... Did also... you consider coming up with a good idea? I did. I actually proposed that uh, okay. on the top of it. I went I went hypothetical on the hypothetical. Okay. And, you would have um, loved that. And he, he did. And I, I uh, put forward my proposal that if we're going to uh, be trying to rationalise the competition, I would much rather we... Uh, go full A-League and um, start from the drawing board and just wipe all the Sydney identities out. Okay. Um, because... Just you know, carpet bomb the competition. Exactly. And But I did have I did have a particularly... Like, I had a, a soft... Hold on, mate. You're not on the fucking hypothetical rugby no, 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 league no, no, show look, now. No, you've, you've opened this can of <laughs> What have I done, Mario? I'm going to finish my spiel here. So my idea was, and for the record, you know, I don't actually want this to happen, but I think if you're going to rationalise Sydney, this is how you do it. Is you break Sydney up into effectively a city origin series every year where you basically split from Parramatta east, west, mm. west uh, north, south, yep. uh, the geographical centre of the city. And you, you have, you know, the best talent that has grown up and, and uh, gone through the junior systems and all the rest of it and, and debuted first grade yep. you know, from those areas. Playing so four in quadrants of Sydney. Precisely. Yeah, kind right. of like Jerusalem. Yeah. It didn't go so well for them, mate. But I don't it, know if this is a great it, idea. It bred tribal passion. Um, <laughs> Tell but, that to the Israelis. They don't mind the arrangement. <laughs> what have I done? I've really opened up a can of words here. I apologise to everyone over da- in that David, region. David Hunter's going to be loving all this free publicity. <laughs> but that said, you know, like that that's what you would do is you would you would come up with new identities that mm. were representative, like quasi-representative teams, and then over time phase out, you know, all of the old, old identities and you, use these new origin ones that were really... You know, really centered on on fierce uh, tribal, um, you know, and and very very representative local ideas. Yeah, so and they'd all be called the Griffins. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think what he really wants is, by the sounds of it, and I'm just translating what he's just said. No, please, that's ba- going to be basically helpful. split us into the Reichs, and we can have the first Reich, the second Reich, the third Reich. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> How could it possibly go wrong? I, and that that really uh, again highly anticipated fourth Reich. We never got to see. Oh, well, we're missing out. And I was always pretty bummed about that's that. That's probably manly, let's be real. The, the fourth Reich is the current Reich, isn't it? Oh, God knows, mate. I, I assumed it ended when the bunker got blown up, uh, but I'm would, really not quite sure. I would just like to hope that David Hunter knows that, by the way, you know, you're wanting a manly person on there. Happy to put my <laughs> hand up. I've been on every other goddamn rugby league podcast. So where can they find it, mate? Where where can people listen to this uh, hypothetical podcast? Is it on He's on Twitter, I believe. Is it at hypotheticalRL? Yeah, I think so. You, you I think the, so. You put him on to me. You Hyper, tell me. But you're on the show. It's yeah, a hypothetic, not hypothetical. Yeah, not okay. hypothetical. It's hypothetical, yes. as in, you know. Or like, is it hypothetic? No. Yeah, it's hypothetic. No, it's, it's hypothetical. Are you sure about this, Ed? You're on this show. I, Don't pretty, get this wrong. I'm pretty sure. But, you know, again, <laughs> you, you're the one who put me onto him on Twitter. <laughs> Do you blame me, me now? It is. No, big shout out, mate. Um, in fact, if you're uh, listening and keen, we'd love to get you on the show in a future episode and actually hear a little bit more about the concept. Anyone who loves rugby league is always a friend of ours, unless you're Mitchell Pierce. Uh, I'm just going to point out, it, as I said, it was hi- on Twitter, it's hypothetic RL. 
Okay, fair enough. Fuck you, Mario. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, Manly haven't won much this year. I needed to win that. Oh, is it true on the show? I, I was listening to half of it before we started this show today um, that you actually posed a hypothetical, Mario, you're ringing. Your genitals are rattling again. And this time there's no police sirens, which is probably a good thing. No, but is it true, Xander, that you actually posed the hypothetical question on that show, uh, what would happen if Robbie Farah ever smiled? Now, we've seen that. When, when did that happen? When a schnitzel got shoved up his ass. <laughs> okay, it didn't even happen in 05. No, I thought, I thought we saw that um, uh, when Madge McGuire uh, came in. He wanted somebody who was just as masochistic as him. Okay, that didn't go down so well, though, no, did it? No, no, it didn't. He, the smile was quickly wiped off his face. Now, before we sew a hairy centipede to our collective foreheads and declare ourselves a really wide-faced Michael Ennis, just a reminder, you can follow the show on social media via the handle at Voluntary Tackle, but be warned, we're mainly on Twitter. You can also follow Xander Risotto on the handle at Xander underscore TVT, and obviously you can catch up with Mario on basically every NRL podcast ever conceived of, because you are the NRL podcast hussy, Mario, you know that. That's what I've been called. Now, we're going to start the show today by uh, discussing the four finals games, gents, that just took place. We are recording here on a Sunday night. Uh, Souths, unlamentably, have been victorious in their game against the body bags. Um, look, we're going to start with, I guess, the Friday night. Let's do this chronologically. It makes a lot of sense. Roosters, unfortunately, we didn't win. We went down 29-28 to Penrith. Uh, what I thought it was a cracker of a game, guys. How did you see it? One of the games of the season, easily the game of the round, because every other game was a walkover. Um, but, yeah, real um, real seesawing battle. I mean, it was, it was just all big momentum shifts, and that's something we'll probably talk about later. But, you know, Roosters started the trend for the weekend, going out of the blocks with, with two tries in the first 10 minutes before yep. there was a huge response from, from the Panthers with them scoring, what, five tries in a row after that? Well, let's stop there and, and have a dig into this, Mario, because it involves one Nathan Cleary. I think he walked away with 21 points for the whole game from memory. Uh, but there was a golden period where he scored three tries by, to- by half time. Is that the best game he's ever played? No. Okay. Where does it rank? He scored three tries by backing up well, but he's played many... This game, this season, he's been so good. I'd say he's played at least six or seven games better than that. Okay. Honestly, but he was good. Yeah. Um, I thought probably Luai was better. Yeah, he was excellent mm. as well, wasn't he? I um, mean, I guess they were working together, fusing for, sure. for almost all their, of those tries. Their combination's been great. Um, a lot of recency bias to my left here saying it was the game of the season. It was a very enjoyable game, but... I said it was one of the games of the season, to be fair. It wasn't top five. It was. I thought you meant game of the finals. Or you no, well, I said it was. The... I said it was easily the game of the finals so far. But yeah, um, I, I thought it was one of the best games of the season too. I thought it was actually. I, I guess what I loved about it was the ebb and flow, mm. and you know, obviously Bruce is coming out of the blocks, and then this golden middle period for Penrith, and then I have to admit, like there was some doubts creeping into my mind as a Roosters fan, but the rallying from. Mm. The tricolours was pretty impressive because they look like they're in a rampant mood. And we've seen this year when Penrith are in a rampant mood, they can notch up some cricket scores. So I actually think in terms of confidence for the Roosters, it's a weird thing to say, but they probably be walking out of that loss with their heads held high, I think. I mean, yeah, no, if, I think so. If you had to ask me what the game of the season was, it was definitely last weekend South Sober Roosters. I'm just going to drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell. I, I mean, the games of the season have all involved the Roosters. The genuine best game of the, the season was obviously the Roosters Storm game, uh, the first uh, round that they fought uh, each other 
where it uh, went down to that um, that final kick. That was an excellent match. Yeah, um, we should have won late that field goals in that <laughs> Jesus. one. Jesus, but that was that was an absolutely classic that was battle. Yeah, um, I can't think of too many others. I mean, this season has been a season full of blowouts, and that was one. The Raiders over Storm was my, probably my actual pick. When yeah, the no, the Raiders, Raiders beat them in Raiders, Melbourne. Yeah, that was Carson. excellent. Yeah. Raiders, Raiders game against the Storm. Actually, also the Panthers win against the Storm was was actually a really enjoyable battle. Mm. Um, Look, in terms of this finals game, the Roosters actually enjoyed some early success down that left side. I found it quite unusual that they just sort of didn't return to that mm. for the entire first half. Um, was that a misstep, Xander, from them? Flanagan didn't have the best game, and Kiri um, was was targeted heavily and didn't, uh, I think, get a chance um, to exploit as many opportunities as he would have liked to on that short side. Flanagan, probably out of everyone in that 17 for the Roosters, was the one that was sort of found out the most. I don't mm-hmm. know if you agree with that, Mario, or not, but he, he sort of leaked a couple in between him and, and Tupanua. I don't know if that was a deliberate plan from Penrith or not, but um, Flanagan, I guess there's been a few games this year where he hasn't quite been up to the pace in D. Even I guess he's young and he's coming along, but he, but he's again, had he's had others where he's been really good in defence. You know, I mean, there've been times where he's he's really put his body on the line. But I think when the pace gets as fast and and the, the standard is as high as it is, I think you're right. It's it can still be a bit much. I think yeah. at his age, you'll take the occasional lapse if he's if he's producing more good games than bad. And I think overall this season he has. There's mm. definitely been some weaknesses, but you know, he's not Mitchell Pearce. He's still. He's still doing a, a he still job. He still handles pressure way better than Mitchell Pearce. <laughs> now, a little young Freddie Lussick. Actually, I'm a big fan of this kid. Uh, he looks like he's about six years old. That's a bit of a problem. I hope he eventually grows Very into a man. Very tall, six-year-old, but yeah. Yeah. Um, How many good hookers have you guys got? Because Radley was your backup hooker, and then Verrills came along, and he's goddamn good. And I keep watching and thinking, okay, Manly should sign him. We need a hooker. Now Lussick's come out. Well, he's, I'm assuming he's a Manly junior with that surname. <laughs> he so, could well be, yeah. So we should sign him because you don't really need four hookers or even three. This year we do. Yeah. Well, to be <laughs> yes, fair. in hindsight, and the, the yeah. Knights needed seven hookers, but still. Yeah, I guess Radley isn't really a hooker. No, I realise. That's why I sort of said three Yeah, and Beryl's, although he was brilliant fill-in for us uh, when he was desperately needed and, and held up that spot, I have doubts over whether or not he can consistently bring that form. Oh, I'm not sure I do. I, yeah. I would take him in a heartbeat, honestly. Yeah. Well, let's do some trades on behalf of the okay, Roosters you, and Manly. You can, we'll have, some you can have Finu and we'll have Verils. Yeah, deal. fair enough. I'll, I'll have um, your court cases and <laughs> we'll exchange you for Verils. Oh, I feel like I've been ripped off. Another person we've got to single out here is Angus Crichton. I thought he was sublime he on was Friday night. He was close to the man of the match. He was fantastic. Yeah, he was very good in a beaten team. And it was very clear. they start, He actually promoted him off the bench for Tupanua. Mm. And, you know, we started off well. And when he went off, um, I thought it was noticeable that we, we outsoded our form. Mm. And then when he came back on, it, yeah. you know... We, he almost won the game for us, you know, yeah. like at the end, really. He's just hitting holes yeah. beautifully in his work rate in defence. Yeah. Uh, he's got such a copybook style. Remind, reminds me of a young Orbison, not an old one. Well, so what happened at the end? We're talking, we've gotten to the end of the game. That charge down on Cleary's field goal. He's char- the, who was it? Was it Orbison? Charge on the field goal because he kicked the field goal. Yeah, he kicked the yeah. yeah, as in Cleary kicked the field. I thought it goal. was I thought it was uh, Cordner who was It might have been Cordner. I think it was Cordner tried to charge but he missed it completely. Yeah, but the thing was he got there but he didn't run straight at Cleary. He ran a step to the left. He, he ran to the side of him, yeah. Yeah, and that just seemed strange. It looked like he had time to get in front and didn't. Instead, he's gone to the side. And so Cleary looked like he shouldn't have been able to get that kick off. No, I, I noticed I noticed that at the time. And I'm like, maybe he just shut his eyes, 
trying to avoid the Falcon. I don't know. But yeah, I, I did notice that at the time. Well, he also has had a lot of head knocks. Yeah, bingo. So he That's might be seeing two or three clearies. You yeah. don't know that. Now, can anyone stop the Panthers from here? They've obviously galloped into the preliminary final and they've got a week off. Mm. Do you guys think they can be stopped? Well, hopefully either the Roosters or the um, Raiders can because fuck Souths. <laughs> and fuck the storm forever and ever and ever. So these are the options. Mario's always a fence sitter. Xander, what do you think? Oh, yeah, of course they can. For sure. Of course they can. They're, so they're, they're not a shoe in for No, you no, guys. I mean, Jesus, the Roosters came within a point of beating them. Really, if we play that game another five minutes, I think we win. And there's mm. a lot of inexperience in that Panthers side in terms of finals games. Yeah. You, you don't know what they're going to be like when the big game comes. Well, they keep, people keep saying that, but obviously they brought their A game in the first finals game. But a first final is different from a grand final, and we've seen that a lot in the past. All right. It'll yeah. be interesting to but see. Uh, look, we'll go on to the next game. It's Raiders versus the Sharks. Uh, Raiders successful 32 points to 20. Again, the recurring theme, Sharks coming out um, firing in the first 10 minutes. Mm. I think they laid on a couple of tries against the Raiders before being resoundingly thumped. Um, I think their efforts came to a grinding halt in the same way that the motor racing legend Michael Schumacher's brain did. Um, I actually thought the Raiders were in... What? That's a bit off, mate. I thought the Raiders were in second gear. Uh, Again, a bit like... No, I won't say that. Um, (laughs) During the game, and yet they still steamrolled them. Um, Jack Whiten, I think, was the... Whiten scored, what, two tries in six minutes or something ridiculous? Yeah. Do you think that's a worry for the rest of the teams left in the competition, that Jack Whiten seems to be coming alive? This is not just this week, but I think in the last couple of weeks I've noticed... Um, he's rolling into form, and we know when Whiten's going well, Raiders are going really it well. It seems like at the moment, 5'8 is the strongest position in the comp right now because yeah. Kiri's pretty damn good. Walker is on fire. Luai's really good, and Whiten's amazing. Munster's goddamn good. Mm. Uh, Dylan Brown's the better half at Parramatta. Yep. So Jake Cogger. Who? I think it might be Jack, but he's <laughs> also, you know, probably. Jake's his better brother. You know, he's being rejected by reserve grade at the moment. Raiders. So where do we see them in terms of the competition? Are they just making up the numbers or they can actually no, go through? they're a genuine chance. I mean, like, it's, it was funny watching that game. You know, I mean, it, that was the trend all weekend. But it's been how the Raiders have played for a couple of months now is that they seem to they seem to take a while to, to like to warm up in games. Mm. They, they start a lot of them slowly. They started out very lethargic in that match. But, but they've been doing it for weeks. Like mm. they've, been, they've lost a lot of first halves. Mm-hmm. Um, against teams that they shouldn't, and then they, they have amazing back ends. Yeah, then then they then they score forty points in the second half. Andrew mm-hmm. Johns does love a good back end. Sharks gone, obviously from the season. Then there were six. Does that make it a successful season for them? Do you think? How would they I see had, that in the wash? I up? had them bottom three. Yeah, so that's a very successful season. I think the same actually. I think I John agree. Morris should be pretty proud um, to get a been, team that far. He's been told he's on his last legs. He's got to do like whatever position next year, or he's gone, so they can put Flano back. It's a pretty ridiculous thing to do, isn't yeah. it? Because he took over that club when they were in absolute disarray. Yep. And he's managed to maintain finals two years in a row, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he's a better coach than he was a player. Well, that's... I mean, we know that for sure, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a tradesman. Big shout-out to John Morris. I didn't mind him as a hooker. Yeah, he no, had no, For someone with no speed and agility, I mean, to carve out a full 10 years in rugby league is a good effort. Well, I mean, Orbo's done it. Yeah, no, I mean, given given the um, the challenges that they came into this season with, um, you know... Having Matt Moylan in the team. <laughs> you know, like they had the Bronson Jerry saga. Um, you know, they, they were, um, they let Morris go because they thought they had Jerry there and, you know, mm. all of these other They things. really didn't want to let Morris go. No, they, they didn't, right? The pull of Nick Pilatus, God bless you. Uh, but, you know, like they, they started the season effectively in, in a real shambles. And you, I think when we talked about it, you know, we kind of thought, you know, like they're going to struggle to make the eight. So mm. I think, I think, 
the fact that um, you know they they didn't beat any top eight sides kind of is a reflection of where they're at. But the fact that they didn't lose to anyone below them, you know, yeah, yeah, you'd call it a pass. It also has to be said, Brayley, I thought he was playing really well. When he got injured, I thought that was the end of their chances. I really, I really like Brayley. I loved when I saw a couple of Knights fans say, we got the better Brayley. And I looked and I'm like, <laughs> uh, have you watched your watched either of them play? Like, Blake is so obviously the superior player. Yeah, they didn't even have the better Pierce. Angus is much better, um, even though Angus is a girl and only nine years old. Plays a fair bit better than poor old Mitch. How many Mitch jokes is that so far? Have we got one of these abacuses that we can use? To just notch up every joke. I, I think I'm, a bunch of them were pre-record was the problem. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's right, actually. But I do have a KPI. I need to slip in as many jokes about Mitchell Pierce as I can in one pod. Storm versus the Eels. Melbourne was successful, 36 points to 24. Sorry, but is a KPI a Kalen Ponger index? Because that's what Channel 9 use. Yeah, they use that regularly, don't yes. they? They love to froth over the fuck over Kalen Ponger. But sorry, we'll get to that. Yeah, no, we will get to that. Uh, yeah, Storm versus Eels. No one gave Eels a chance. And as it turns out, they were right. Uh, <laughs> because they, again, galloped out like all these teams do uh, to an early lead before their brittle defence. I mean, the problem with the Eels, I think, has been that they can actually miss about nine or ten tackles in one play. And they've been doing that this year in Melbourne. Certainly proved that as well. We, we just had this discussion before, uh, Mario and I, but, you know, you, you could even watching the first ten minutes when the Eels shot out to 12-0... You just were thinking, oh, they're going to get smashed. Yeah. Because every time the Storm had the ball, even though they hadn't scored yet, as soon as they shifted it left, that right side edge backpedaled like it was under nines. And they were they looked like it was only a matter of time before they got rolled over. Yeah. There was always a, like a 30-meter gap yeah. out there for like some they, reason. They gave, they gave up like effectively... 50 metres on two tackles in, in mm. you know, I think, the first three sets. Mario, can't help losing both your wingers, though, during a game. Sevo, Fergo, both but injured. doesn't that make them better? With no wingers? <laughs> well, having not Fergo and Sevo, because, holy crap, if, they, if they're desperate to replace those two guys, they should just go to Manly and get Brad Parker and Jorge Tafua to take over, because, honestly, they've just got absolute garbage on the other side this year. Recruiting Brad Parker, that is the rugby league equivalent of suicide. Well, we wish someone would take him. <laughs> How do you offload Brad Parker? What's the process like? Is he, Do you go to one of those garage sale auctions? Or? Well, we don't, because Des loves him, so he'll probably be captain next year. Yeah, fair enough. Good old Dez. I know you you're had a that big one fan. good game earlier in the season that everyone frothed about. I like the way you yeah. have to say one game. Well, because it's the only one yeah, he's well, ever there was had. The, there was the win over Parramatta where he ended Sevo's season, and Sevo hasn't been the same since. So Brad mm. Parker has helped all the other teams out with that one one tackle. To be fair, yeah, and he makes all the other t- players look better looking too. So he's a he's a good man in that way. He's great by contrast. Brad, big shout out from the voluntary tackle, the Pap. Now, he had a huge game. I'm a massive fan of the Pap. I'm really hoping we see him in a Blues jersey uh, for this series. But in the last game in particular, fellas, I thought he had a blinder. Did you see it that way as well? I think he's just been a mate. The last six weeks, mm. he just he run, he run gets through tackles every time. And once he's through, it's goodbye. And it's, half, You can't buy speed, can you? He's well, got genuine speed. Thanks, Gus. But the, the big, the big, thing, the big thing that has been though has been Pap down the left mostly, and mm. who's he bloody passing to if someone happens to get in the way? Ado Car. I know. Jesus fucking Christ! How fast, much speed can you have from just two guys? No one gets near them. So that's a worry for us, isn't it, Xander as Roosters fans? Because uh, you know we've got a little bit of speed here and there, but we, I think we are the oldest team in the NRL. When you're talking about what Mario is saying there about Pap and Josh Ado Car linking up, that's. 
I don't know how the maths and physics of that works, but I think fucking fast times fucking fast equals fuck off. That time that Brett Morris tackled three guys in one play earlier this year, which was probably about my favourite single play yeah, of the no, year. I remember I it well. I love that. He ain't doing that to Papinato. I don't think so. How do you see that? I think he's a chance, mate. I mean, you know, they, <laughs> those guys are deceptively fast. I, I think that if we play them, Robinson will have a plan for them. Yeah. Does I, it involve a lead pipe and kneecaps? In Robbo, we trust. It's um, yeah, it, it'll be we a little bit. We can Nancy Kerrigan the fuck out of them. <laughs> Nancy, oh, I went for Tonya Harding. I was going there yeah. too. Yeah, well, well what's the Ke- Nancy Ke- Kerrigan? Kerrigan was the victim of Tonya oh, Harding. Oh, okay. I oh, just... I thought she was a character from the castle. Yes, yeah, so that, that's what I thought. Actually, no, that was Daryl Kerrigan. <laughs> God, we're getting really so, confused because wasn't Tonya the one you know that that did the. The um the crowbarring. Yeah, I think her boyfriend did. Uh, okay. Or maybe yeah. Monica Sellers can be involved somehow. Yeah. Well, maybe it could be. Well, Bravo can get a fat German to stab one of the uh, Pappenhausen or cars of the world, and we'll be fine. This got dark. Jeez. Um. <laughs> Welcome to the voluntary tackle. <laughs> All right. I'll just queue up my next Schumacher joke. Hold on. <laughs> See if I can make it go darker. But it is a worry, isn't it? Because I guess with Melbourne, they've obviously always mm. been an amazing side. Uh, never out of the finals with bellyache there in this amazing uh, cluster of players. 2010 but the one th- says hi. Yeah, but look, the, the thing about them this year is they're not that sort of robotic, boring team to watch. You alluded to it before, Mario. They're actually an exciting team don't, to watch. Don't, that did not go to air. I will never admit <laughs> to enjoying anything the Melbourne Storm do. Thank you. They're very creative. Mm. Got Brandon Smith coming off the bench. You've still got Cameron Smith playing great football. Cameron Munster with... Probably the best footwork uh, for a halves in the game. And then you've on the back of that, you've got the likes of Adokar and Pappenhausen. There's a, there's a lot to like there. He has done his MCL, though, uh, Munster, so there's a chance he's not going to play in the, the prelim. What's the MCL? It's a med- the medial cruciate. Yeah, medial. Yeah, I that's, thought it was a knee clash. So it actually is a ligament, Yeah, is so it? it's the third time he's done it this, this season. But and who, it's the same injury. Who's going to give away multiple sin bins in the grand final if he's not playing? <laughs> yeah, that, that still has to go down as one, one of the, the, the worst. Um, I mean, it, overall, it wasn't a terrible performance, but he cost his side so much. In God, I love that bit. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and the final game of the finals, the first round of finals, fellas, was the Rabbits versus the Knights. 46 points to 20, I think it was. Again, even though they jumped out of the blocks, it just never felt like the Knights were going to win this game. Yeah. They've been fairly terrible for the last six or seven weeks, even though I know they've gone win-loss, win-loss for a lot of that. But even when they're winning, it's unconvincing. And when they lose, they get thumped. The Knights have been so bad the last few weeks that Manly might have almost scored a try against them. let's not say things we can't (laughs) take back, Barry. The the Knights, I mean, the Knights are a a good example of why the the competition needs to be 26 weeks, ironically. Mm, Or at Uh, least a top six. Yeah, only six teams, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I mean, because... The Warriors and the the Titans were both playing much better footy. Yeah, they would have definitely proved to be better competition. Mm. Had I'm they sorry, made can it. I just go off then? So you now advocating for a wild card system, Xander? No, I'm just saying that the, the, the competition clearly needs to be 26 rounds, so we don't have teams limping into the finals in such poor. Form. Except you could say that the the finals were decided after 17 rounds this year. So would we really want six extra rounds of of meaningless games so I get the feeling Mario's angling for the wildcard system here because that's the biggest incentive obviously no I'm just trying to put words in his mouth <laughs> no no I, I think I think if the, the competition were to have gone for six more weeks almost certainly both uh, the, uh, the the Knights and the, the Sharks would have fallen out of the top eight yeah, 100%. Yeah. We could hear you, Mario, <laughs> whispering, <laughs> whispering into your mic there, you consummate professional, you. Do you think this is, the, 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 the I guess, the first time since he's been recruited that the Newcastle Knights have finally lamented the recruitment of Mitchell Pearce and they've realised he's not good? You said Kalen Ponga wrong. 
Oh, I'm sorry. No. I mean, but you're not a fan of Ponga. We'll get to that. So to be honest, I mean, Pierce had some very um, on-brand Pierce moments in that game, like particularly at the end there, where in an attacking you know position, I think at 30 meters out on about like tackle two, mm. he just drops the ball cold and and uh, Cook picks it up and goes and scores at the other end. But his kicking game was actually pretty good. What struck me most about the Knights was the fact that there was a few that the Knights actually had a pretty good uh, kicking game uh, throughout the match, but their efforts uh, in backing up those kicks, there was nobody ever like trying to make anything of them. Mm. There was one in particular where um, Pierce had put it between um, what, the fullback and the winger uh, for Souths. I don't think he's ever done that. Yeah, but it, it bounced up and it, it bounced in the air and was allowed to bounce like 20 metres up before it then bounced back down in goal and then rolled dead. But if, if that had been the Storm or the Roosters, mm. there'd have been five guys bolting to jump in and catch yeah. that oh, ball. And the, the, the pap would have been there before the ball got there. I know, but, but, but what happened was that because the Knights were so disinterested, mm. they, were, they were basically scratching their ass on the other end of the field and it went dead and South's got a 20-meter restart. Mm. Yes, Murray. The, on that topic of the Knights not putting in effort, the one that really highlighted that to me was, I think, South's third try, maybe, the Cody Walker one, yeah. where mm. he was properly social, socially distanced for that try. Literally, <laughs> no one got within a meter of a, and a half of him. And it wa- it was a nice play. It was a very yeah. nice looking play, but it was made to look nice because the Knights just dead set stood and, and clapped and watched him, in. him. It was yeah. it was a make a wish try almost like the semi Radradra one against Brisbane four years ago. Do you think that's the issue, Mario? That Newcastle Knights are just enforcing too rigorously their health policies when it comes to COVID. Do you think they're actually going uh, out there and going, no, we're going to make four or five metre gaps just because we really want to stop this virus? No, I was more thinking that they're just a bunch of make make a wish kids <laughs> on that front. Uh, I know you're not a fan of Kalen Ponga. Um, oh, had... I, I am a fan of Kalen Ponga. There's not 2020 version of him. He's okay. terrible. And he's, to me, he's the absolute worst um, defensive fullback, starting defensive fullback. Shout out to Ruben Garrick. Um, <laughs> in terms of the one-on-one tackles, he's yeah. just got absolutely nothing. And he's out of position on those on, on the sweep left or sweep right uh, mm. in, in defense. You don't see him there to back up someone cutting back in. He's just sort of jogging and watching. And so if they don't score in the corner and someone cuts back in, Pong is supposed to be there to take that guy. And he's just sort of watching five meters away. And it just frustrates me. Do you reckon that's an attitude thing or an attention to detail thing? It could be both. Because he's still like barely early on in his career, isn't he? He is, but um, how many younger players are out there or the same age players who have got a better attitude than that and are in the right positions? I feel like Ponga has actually gone downhill on a team where his team's improved. Mm. Has was, the team improved? Though? Yeah. They, ma- they that, made seventh. I feel like the, that, that bottom end of that eight got weaker. Okay, mm. so so right now we're... Um, God damn it, Drew Carey improv TV show. Uh, whose line is it whose anyway? Whose line is it anyway? So welcome to the NRL where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Manly are in 13th. Team ranking doesn't matter. We're actually better than Newcastle. That's what I'm getting from you. Absolutely. I want to get rid of the eight. I don't like the final system. I think at the end of 20 rounds, we should all just play each other again. One verse 16, um, yeah. two verse 15. Work our way out. from that. Put all the points back to zero, except for the Warriors, who we just expel for no particular reason. Uh, that's the way I want to see it go. You want to expel the side that has kept the competition intact. Yes. Welcome back to the voluntary tackle. Uh, the Brisbane Broncos, gentlemen. No Anthony Seabold. And and really sadly, no Peter Gentle. Um, he's on his way because we got pretty attached to him, didn't we? Um, sort of. I guess he had the same charisma as the smoking man out of X-Files. He's sort of this... 
beige-looking gentleman who used to be in the coaching box, although they kind of did play a little bit better under him. He's gone to the Dragons, hasn't he? So he's joined the Third Reich. Oh, there you go. He's on to bigger and better things then. How old is that regime going to be, by the way? <laughs> Matty Elliott, fucking Hook and him. Well, I'm more it's worried Dad's about, army down there. I'm more worried about the impact on the players of colour with, you know, all the, the selection issues and whatever else that Anthony Griffin's going to bring. I just can't <laughs> wait to see their game plan next week, to see them basically just do five hit-ups and a kick. The Dragons? Yeah. <laughs> next week? No, so the next year. Next uh, season. Yeah, I was say, Drag- are you, have you implemented wildcard round right. on the fly? NRLW maybe. Yeah. They're in there. NRLW, which, by the way, the Roosters beat the Dragons in the first round. Look, we we, we we drifting a little bit because we're going to talk about Kevin Wilders, guys, because he's just been appointed the Brisbane Broncos coach. And I'm desperate to know from the two of you, is this a good decision? Now, there's been big two two schools of thought on this. It all came down to essentially Paul Green and Kevin Walters. Uh, Kevin being the people's champ, um, the old boys seemed to to back him in and they wanted him instead of Seabold. Uh, I'll start with you, Mario. Do you think this is a good recruitment? Correct me if I'm wrong, but the sum total of Kevin's club coaching is getting an English team relegated. I believe so. So, okay, so ignoring that... Because <laughs> He's ignore- also been an assistant under Billy, Billy Ake. Oh, and, and that uh, worked well for Kearney. And uh, exactly, and he's also coached Queensland to moderate success. The, okay, so is it success when you lose? Well, he's also won some. But okay, <laughs> but he's, he's, he hasn't won a series. Though. In, in he's won a series. Defa- no, he hasn't. I thought he had. No, because he, he's coached the last two years where um, it's been uh, Freddie. Isn't it two one? No, it's been two zip. Yeah. You sure about that? Yes. How right. do you not know that the Blues have won the last two series? I know that, but I thought he's been coaching for three years. No. No, no, it's, it was Meninger um, b- uh, back in 2017. Should we do a fact check? Yeah, go for it. All right. Don't waste another minute on your crying. We're no- he had two. He's 16 and 17. Oh, wow. He won two. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, they were, they were like, looking through the results, they were two of the least impressive ones given that side. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's they, they were you know the last two series that Mitchell Pierce played a part. So he has had some success at Origin level. Um, when although, Cam Smith was still playing, when Cam Smith was still playing, and obviously he had the coach whisperer there uh, for one of those years, which That's I think right. was an unsuccessful year from memory. Yeah, yeah, he brought them in. Uh, he, he brought them in in twenty uh, in uh, like in last year actually. He brought them in last year, which mm. was the funniest thing because they'd only lost one season at that point, and he he brought in. The guy's um, patented tricks on the use of language. Don't say the blues. Yeah, yeah. He didn't. He wanted to demystify the blues. The the, the team that, that Queensland had beaten for. Were we that complicated? <laughs> yeah, I know. He, he wanted to demystify the side that Queensland had beaten ten out of the last eleven years. We want to get to the nub <laughs> of Paul Gallon and, and see what makes him tick. But it was funny because besides cause, peptides, you know, this is something he he cuts across all sports with, like he, you know, mm. checker brought him into that Rugby World Cup campaign and he had that same trick. He's like, we're not going to call them the All Blacks, we'll call them New Zealand. Didn't work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, this was his Stubbs was his name, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that guy's the biggest fraud of all time, Sorry, isn't but it? but bingo, drink. There's been a mention of rugby. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, of course. But I'll, it's, you know, I'll skull. It, there we go. It, it is relevant to this particular case. There's another interesting uh, slant on the Kevin Walters story, Mario, and that's the fact that he's come in. He's been very vocal upon accepting this role and he's basically indicated that he's going to be cleaning house. In fact, I have a bit of a a quote here from him. He said, I feel there's been a total disconnect from the Broncos club to the community, their sponsors, their members, their corporate people, the fans in general. And he said there's been a number of players who just simply haven't been pulling their weight. We could probably 
guess who a few of those are. But should that be the, the pr- approach from Kevin Walters as he steps into the position? Should he be going in there and slashing and burning like it's Tony Abbott in 2014? Yes and no. I mean, there's certainly a few good players there that have potential to be better than that. But there's, there is too much dead wood in there. Um, what, I mean, obviously the most important thing is he needs to bring back the barbecue because that was that was <laughs> exactly. Seabold's biggest crime and that yep. was what really made them hate him. Yeah. But in uh, rea- to be fair, they caught up on that whole thing. They had the barbecue, and but he was obviously attached to the steak at the time. I mean, I hear that his his the crackling from his skin smelled particularly good. I'm sure that uh, Tavita Pangai Jr. would have uh, feasted quite heavily on that carcass. Might have made a hungy, perhaps. <laughs> I think so. So who would be the Deadwood in your opinion? Let's let's name some names. The main one's gone, Darius. Yep. He, he's got to go. Um, I, I personally, I'm still on Milford Island though. I actually think under a good coach, he could be good. Hmm. Unfortunately for Brisbane, I don't think Kevy is that coach. So Milford's still going to suck. Yep. Uh, but in terms of who they get rid of, I think most of their players are okay. Joe O's utter garbage. He he shouldn't have played a single game this year. He's that bad. Well, I've never heard of anyone refer to him as Joe O. Well, Often e- Gowie. It's easier to say. Yeah, fair enough. I'm but just... is this lingo that you're making up, Mario, or is this accepted out there in the NRL community? I am such a trendsetter with my 150 <laughs> Twitter followers that obviously now everyone's going to copy me. Fair enough. Or is this in, in homage to Jackie O? Sure. Okay, we're, we're let's roll get, with that. Let's get Cole Sanderlands to coach the Brisbane Broncos. So often Gowie's gone. You think Tavita Pangai Jr.'s got to go. Well, Is he, that right? Oh, no, he's actually staying, isn't he? I'm surprised by that. I well, think he's got attitude He's going to try to stay. Yeah, I, I just think he's got attitude problems that are, are probably a bit infectious at the club. Hmm. I, I personally think Matt Lodge should have been moved on. I don't think he's... His play hasn't been much. He's been obviously had some injuries, but I just think his personality has got to be a destabilizing mm. factor. The fact that he was ever discussed as a captaincy option is just... That was the red flag, wasn't it? Yeah. When, when suddenly Seaball went, I think maybe Lodge should be our skipper. That's when you go, mm, there's something sort of, rotting, at, rotting at the core here. Those sort of judgment calls that just uh, just speak premiership, don't they? <laughs> they really yeah. do. Because you can really picture Lodge holding the trophy aloft mm. and, and then, then bashing crashing it over family. the skull of someone in New York. <laughs> well, wouldn't he be the right one if they've just beaten the Warriors in a game for him to walk into the locker room and address them and say, hey, guys, you're doing great. We all appreciate <laughs> you. And the Warriors are really going to have give him a good, solid get fuck cunt. Yeah, well, very, I mean, there's some accuracy in that. But we do know that Lodge could be very full right and push through things because he did do push through a number of tasers um, over in America as well. I mean, so Jack DeBellin's uh, allegedly. allegedly. So we've, we've named some people there. What about you, Xander? Who would you like to see booted forever from the Brisbane Broncos team in 2021? I mean, I think you guys have covered it. Um, obviously, they're, they're, they've already got half the job done by getting rid of uh, Darius Boyd this year, mm. and, you know, with, in, in, in a pink mist, turns out. All right, I'm going to uh, throw some names at you then. Brody Croft, should he stick around? No. Okay, so he's another one but on the chopping block for you guys. Yeah, fuck yeah. Is okay. this Brody Croft? Okay, oh, I want to know. Sam Williams, let's put him out there. Mm. I would say he's twice the player of Brody Croft and he's played two first grade games in the last couple of years. Mm. I, I would say that every club, including Manly, would have at least two halfbacks better than Brody Croft on their books. Yeah, keep Stags, keep Haas. I think everyone else is a question mark. Wow, so you'd keep two guys. <laughs> yep, that's, in that side. Like, a second ago, you said, no, nah, you've covered off. I now said, you've got rid of the whole I squad. Said, I said you've covered most of the big ones, but in all honesty, 
Like you know, when you watch the back end of that that season, like there's probably there is probably a handful of guys who you can you can say have put their hand up and have really had a crack. And the you know of them, one of the most important ones is headed to the Titans. Yeah, that's right. Um, so. uh, David Fafita, obviously, you, who's going to be a massive loss, I think. Yeah. Do, do you think um, Corey Oates should be persisted with? Do you think he might come good? Uh, Oates, yeah. To be fair, Oates has, Oates has had a few um uh like you know kind of positive moments throughout the season. He, he's probably tried harder than most, to be fair. And second question then, Jermaine Asako. Oh, yeah. Mm. He's had a terrible season. Yeah. And you know what's so disappointing about someone like Asako is the potential that he showed early in his career. He, and I think, I'm sure Brisbane were sort of wagering on that. Mm. Uh, in fact, they put him in the number one jersey, a very coveted jersey at the Brisbane Broncos Club, and he failed miserably. Only uh, the best get that jersey. So some, it feels like <laughs> something, exactly. I feel like something's gone wrong there with him personally. I don't know if that's just mm. a symptom of how bad the club's going. Uh, on Oates, I will, in his defence, I'll say this. We know that he has been very good, but for why the wheels have come off, I'm not sure, which is why I would give him a shot under Kevy and see if he can reignite the fire because he has been horrendous as well. These error rates through the roof, uh, his involvement rate is low. Yeah, um, he used to be so dangerous. He was a freight train on that wing. This this year, though, he I mean, when they have scored, it's it's either been stags or um, like Oates still scored a few for them. Like when they have actually scored, like I mean, he's been you know he's been he's he's been average by his standards. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think you give up on him yet. For two seasons, the Brisbane Broncos have essentially failed to consistently score constructed tries. Mm-hmm. They've almost been individual efforts for two seasons now. Where David Fafita will barge through and score a solo. Stags, yeah, Tony Stags. Stags will score every, a length of the field. Every try they scored this year was was basically him rolling over five people. So it mm. it sort of smacks of, uh, I mean, uh, in terms of offensive strategy, they have none. Mm. You I, know? I would like to put forward, which comes down to the half, doesn't it, Mario? It does, and they haven't been good. Yeah, let's let's be unfortunately real. But what I w- I'd like to put forward Carrigan as. Th- their most overrated player. He, <laughs> People have got so much love for that guy. Does you anyone that? know what the VB hard uh, hard earned in the whatever <laughs> is actually is? Because he wins it every single time. But to me, he he does. He's okay running in a straight line with the ball. But I think he's just about the laziest player in defence. You know what? I've noticed that he has. He can be quite suspect indeed. The game against East in particular, um, Teddy scored a try where he's sort of jogging through and Carrigan was a, a half metre behind him and Teddy hadn't had an opportunity to burst through yet. Carrigan, all he had to do was put a couple of a couple of strides in and yep. would have, in hindsight, got there. Mm. But right from the start, he never put the effort in. And so when the opportunity came where he could have tackled Teddy, he never got the opportunity because he hadn't put in. And then Do you think maybe in. he went, mm, that's Tedesco, I probably won't be able to tackle him anyway? Well, I mean, if, if imagine if Scott Sattler had said that. How would you guys be feeling? <laughs> oh, excuse me, are you equating the great Tedesco with Todd <laughs> Burr? Treadmill Todd? I mean, talk about chalk and cheese. So this is just ridiculous. Can you imagine if we'd had Tedesco in that grand final, just on, on the wing there? Or could you imagine if Chris Walker had played on the left, which apparently Sticky had said to him, you're going to play on the left today, and then changed his mind? These are the decisions in life we lament, like when I did jazz ballet when I was 11. We want to actually talk about the way in which that these players could be sacked as well, guys, because for me, I'm wondering, obviously Kevin's going to come in and clean house. He's been pretty clear about that. 
Should he do it in the same way that Darius revealed the gender of his child? Do you think that Kevin should get a whole bunch of footies together with the people he's going to chop on the inside and then kick them so they could have let their whole careers disappear into effectively multicoloured sherbet? Yeah, what colour should... I mean, if you keep your job, you know, I mean, obviously I'm Mm. I'm assuming that it's red if you're you're going to get the boot. I think poo coloured. Poo coloured, brown. Yeah, brown. You're shit. You're really shit. What is it? Is it white? Is it green for good? Yeah. Um, well, let's not make it white. That seems like a supremacist kind of thing to say. Let's go with green, yeah. green light. I yeah, like green that. Light, yeah. You agree with that, Mario? Well, my, I've, I've got a new suggestion there. Okay. Let's just remove Stags and Haas, get the rest of the Brisbane players in a circle and hand them hand them a gun and play Russian roulette. Oh, I love it. Like the deer <laughs> hunter. Back to all my over suggestion, <laughs> effectively. <laughs> it's amazing how many things we can distill. Uh, down to essentially people shooting each other with revolvers. It's essentially just taking everybody but two players out of the Broncos. Yeah. It's very US police. Um, but look, there's another little um, angle to this story I think is quite interesting, and it hasn't been confirmed, but obviously it's about Craig Bellamy. Now, uh, Brisbane are, are making a major play to basically mm. steal the whole Melbourne Storm administration right from the CEO down to Bellamy and possibly some players as well. There's an extra element to that. You see today the the um, owners of the Storm are looking to buy the Broncos as well. Okay. So it's going no, the I other didn't way. know that. Yeah. yeah. This is why we need a pre-show. <laughs> but what about him going in as a coaching director, Mario? Do you think that'd be a good idea? Because Kevin's untested. I think the idea is he's a rookie coach in the, in the NRL and we're getting probably most seasoned coach available in terms of success. Is that something? I mean, it's going to work. What's the point, given that Kevin is starting in 2021 and Bellamy apparently not arriving until 2022? Kevin will no longer be a rookie coach. I don't see it as a logical step when he's already been there for a year. That just seems like... Fair logic. Yeah, it's a good point. It, it, all it seems like to me is, hey, Kevin, you've got a year or fuck off and we'll just put Bellamy in charge. So it's, he's on a hiding to nothing, isn't he? Because, I mean, that, that first year is going to be really tough. Like, the, the place is still a snake pit. Like, mm. you know, I mean, there, there's there's change at the executive level um, that is ongoing. They're still, they're still without a CEO. You know, Ben Eichen's no longer in the race. So, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's where Paul Green <laughs> can go. They don't, they don't have uh, issues here. It's interesting, I like actually. the way like he was ever in the race, well, Ben Well, Lockie has already got three jobs at the Broncos. Let's give him the CEO well, job. He can wear all the hats. <laughs> yeah. Lockie, oh, geez, it's, it's a weird one. I mean, it does, I think that's probably why they're ripe for a takeover. I mean, when you've basically got only ex-footballers in, in the line well, for a $50 million well, you, organization. I guess you dropped a bomb there, and I'm not aware of this story. I'm assuming it's new, but yeah. can you tell the listeners a bit about that? So the, the two owners of the Melbourne Storm are, are, I think, collectively worth over a billion dollars or each. Um, oh, that's a hell of a reverse tactic, isn't it? Yeah, so they're basically We'll steal saying, your stuff. No, we'll just buy you then. So it's, they're basically saying, you know, you, your fundamentals are good. You just run really poorly. So what if we take you over? Because the Storm are, you know, I think... One of the benchmark clubs in terms of administration. Is this not a conflict of interest to own it's multiple surely, clubs? Surely that's anti-tampering laws have to step in here. <laughs> I think there is something weird going on there. I don't know how the average rugby league fan would take that. Yeah, well, it's an interesting one. I mean, I'm not sure what the, the ins and outs of it are. But, I mean, you, you did see that with former owners of um, the Storm going over and obviously buying the Warriors uh, mm. recently. But Simply, former owner being the operative yeah, thing there. But, so it might be because there are, there are a couple of it. Uh, what is it? It's, it's owned by two guys. I can't remember their names. It might be... Ben and Jerry? Yeah, maybe. Maybe the Glazer brothers? It might be that they're just going to have a little empire that where between the three of them, they own like, you know, three big brands in, in rugby league. And then could they, off their own bat, will they be able to synergize brands and eventually kind of make them a jo- like a joint venture and do things like that against everybody's will? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really, it really will he break sound- them up like an 80s fucking entrepreneur into little pieces and sell them away on the stock market or something? I mean, it sounds to me like they're setting up for a new Super League. 
Okay, well, please expand on that. Well, if, if they own two teams, why not own three? Why not own four? And then suddenly, break away. Suddenly you've got, you know, a, you've got the voting block to, mm. to make it take a certain way. And then you just say, well, fuck, fuck you, West Tigers. Fuck you, Cronulla Sharks. We're not interested. Hey, everyone else, here's $50 million. Come mm. over. But look, going back to the Brisbane Broncos, the good thing about Kevin Wilder's being appointed, if I, I'm, a, I'm in his shoes, is the fact that they were so shit this year that they can only improve, right? So that sounds like a bit of a cliche. But is this the first time in maybe Broncos history where a coach has come in with very little pressure? Because they're just looking for someone to rebuild the joint. No one's really expecting them to win a premiership next year, are they? No, but I don't think... I, I think rebuilds have been a myth. Just because Newcastle took 18 years to do a rebuild and the West Tigers are still doing one doesn't make it Parramatta a legit thing. Parramatta took 30. <laughs> is that what the Tigers are okay, doing? Okay, but Parramatta and Manly in 2018 both came last and second last and the, the next year they're in the finals. The Roosters came second last. Two years later, they're winning a comp. Hmm. Rebuild is a myth. Brisbane Broncos, with all that they've got behind them, all the advantages mm. they've got, there is no reason for them not to be well, in the that, top eight next That was year. the argument at the beginning of the year. They're like... Plenty of uh, the, the the pundits in the media had them in their top four. I mean, Joey had them winning the comp. <laughs> you know, like they didn't. They weren't. Yeah, but was he high at the time? <laughs> That's always an open question. But you know, an astute. He he's not he's not a a, a dumb guy when it comes to footy. He's a very astute an al- analyst. And you know, when you looked at them in those first two rounds, they they looked like a, a good side. They looked like they had one of the most promising forward packs. Milford looked like he was actually playing decent again in those first couple games. You know, it's not the it's not the side. It's it's everything around them. You're right. I think people have made that point. It's not the talent. They're mm. not looking. We're not looking at the Canterbury Bulldogs here. Mm. Um, you know, there is a roster there that could have been worked with. And they, we, if you're going to talk about a team underperforming, I think this is off the charts for under underperformance. When if you consider that roster with the way that they played, the chasm that lies between those two things, and I would like to just is quickly, unprecedented. Sorry to use the cliche again. Yeah, just quickly point out. I know we've all just basically said that everyone but um, Stags and Hass can go and get fucked because they've all been shit. This <laughs> Yeah, it, it is. It is noting the fact that their previous form, you know, mm. had them uh, pegged as, as top performers. It's, it's all been about attitude and management. And look, it, in terms of accountability for this show, Xander, um, I think uh, between the two of us, we've made some pretty wild predictions for the Brisbane Broncos as well. I think we both had them playing finals. Yeah, I think I had them in the top four. I, oh, yeah. did, I did too. Yeah. Yeah, and and this is. I'm going to own up to this right now. Um, this is good. It's like an airing of grievances. I did at the beginning of the year, and I'm really ashamed to say this, guys. I said Brodie Croft had a good year. Um, I said <laughs> I may have used the term "ignite the Broncos," uh, which I just want to right now publicly apologise to anyone that's listened, anyone that bet on that. Uh, obviously, I said it, so you probably didn't, but I wanted to apologise nonetheless because that's probably up there as my worst prediction of all time. What was yours, Murray? I'm sure you've had some times when you were very wrong in your life. It doesn't have to be rugby league related, but when was the time in your life? When you can honestly say in retrospect, that was the worst prediction I've ever made. I actually predicted that um, Shane Hayne in the 2013 Grand Final wouldn't be completely incompetent and hand you guys a victory you didn't deserve. I like makes <laughs> predictions about Shane Hayne. <laughs> I, uh, I think anyone who predicted Shane Hayne would ever be a first grade ref should be congratulated because that's Nostradamus stuff. Xander, what about you? Um, you know, I, I can't remember for sure, but I, I think I, I actually um, didn't have Pan- the Panthers in my top eight. Ouch. Yeah, neither did I. <laughs> so Wait, to be fair, they missed the eight last year. Uh, that one I did, I had them in my top four. Did you really? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Let's chat about that for a sec. Why did you promote them so... I'm interested in this question because 
I think for me, I didn't see a lot of these young freaks ahead of time. I didn't see them developing into the players that they have this year. If you had them in the top four, what were your reasons to have the Panthers that high? A lot of it was that I thought a lot of the other teams I just didn't rate. I, uh, I, so more well, about the comp going backwards than them going forward. A little bit of that, but I also thought the Panthers were better last year than their position. I, I thought quite a few times that they, they lost games where I thought they, they probably should have won and with a bit of experience they probably would have won. Yep. And I just thought they only needed that little bit of little bit of time, a little bit of experience, and there was every chance they could they could improve a lot. I didn't see Cleary and Luai being quite as good as they are. No yeah. one saw Crichton being this amazing guy because we hadn't even heard of him. There's a lot of surprises in that. But and, and last year, obviously, as well, they had the off-season of hell, right? So they had all the sex tape scandal, and then they, they had mm. the Phil Gould stuff. They had um, TikTok. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they had you're right. They led in with TikTok. That didn't seem to slow Nathan Cleary down at all. In fact, Mario would know this before we started recording. Uh, my wife uh, released a bit of a secret, um, which I'm going to chastise her for later. But she uh, basically told Mario that I've been obsessed with that song by the weekend ever since, and it's true. I, I sometimes just put it on uh, Spotify and I just put it on repeat, and hours go by. And I'm listening to the weekends um, blinded yeah. by the light. But to be fair, she didn't have to reveal it because by the time I'd been here for ten minutes, it was already it was just on its third play. Playing so. on repeat over and over and over I mean, again. It's, it's a good song. I, I don't deny it. I don't think it's a good enough song to play it over and over and over. <laughs> Mate, fact, I have fu- no taste. I'll say a funny story in terms of playing a song over and over and over. When I very briefly lived in London in this share house, spent three months in this shocking, shitty little share house, and God, never again. And there was this um, Nigerian girl called Becky who lived upstairs. This already sounds made up, but go uh, on. No, was, her name was Becky. She lived upstairs. There was How many people six... in Nigeria are called Becky? It may have been a, her, Eng- her Anglo name. I'm not sure. <laughs> you sound, are you sure it was a letter from the king here asking for a lot of money? Go on. But in any case, uh, one one day we're there, and like uh, one of our first days there, and I noticed she's playing um, uh, Papa, I'm a Millionaire by um, Khalees and Andre 3000. And then she plays it again. And again, and I'm not exaggerating, she's played this song 25 times in a row and it was so loud you couldn't hear anything. She's got these booming speakers upstairs in this tiny little place. I would imagine half of the street could hear it. And then the next day and the next day, and I would say she spent about two weeks in a row of that song nonstop. And did you say anything at any point? Because I think that's tantamount to torture. Uh, We just, I think the first weekend we just buggered off to Paris for the weekend or something along those lines. Tough life you're living, Mario. It's something you can do when you live in London. (laughs) It's not bad, is it? But we were busy just trying to get that stupid bitch to pay her share of the power bill (laughs) because fuck, she wouldn't do that. We're not going to go down the rabbit hole of your personal life, Mario, but thank you for that anecdote. We do appreciate it. I want to wrap up this segment with this question, fellas. I'm going to start with you, Xander. Broncos next year. I want predictions. We've already established that we've made some shit ones. Big shout out to Brodie Croft. Where will they finish next year for you? Um, and also, what will be the pass mark for Kevin Walters next year? Oh, they've got to make, to be honest, the pass mark will be making the finals. Yep. Um, so if they finish ninth, that's an abject failure for you. Get rid of Kevy. Yep, absolutely. Okay. No, no, I mean, I think I think anything's going to be an improvement, obviously, from the wooden spoon, um, mm. but they are a side and a club that ought to be vying for top four every year. Yeah, they know. have no excuse, as you said. They're resource rich. Yeah, nothing but seven day turnarounds, nothing but uh, lopsided penalty counts in your favour. They should be a top eight team. Having said all of that, Mario, where do you see them? So I think anything worse than tenth, he should go. But I think ninth or tenth, you give him another crack. Mm. I think they'll finish fourteenth. 
I love it. I don't care where they finish, to be honest. Not a big Brisbane Broncos fan. All I want to see next year is Darius Boyd do another gender reveal party. But I want it to be a non-binary gender, just to see what the colour of the sherbet is. More after this. Welcome back to The Voluntary Tackle. We're doing something a little bit different on this episode. Uh, We're actually blatantly plagiarising what NRL.com has done because they've actually put a fan poll out there about their best 1-13 to players all year. And we thought we'd do the same here on The Voluntary Tackle by giving you our picks of who we think per position has been the best player all year. Um, There's a few ways we could do this, guys, but I think maybe to go through position by position might be the best way to do it. And we'll probably, instead of just starting in the middle, like with a number 11, which would make no sense, we'll start with fullback at number one. Xander, who did you have as the best performed fullback all year? Tedesco. (laughs) I've got Teddy as well, Mario. Are you in agreement or are you going to... I mean, there's some great fullbacks around. See, Teddy has been up there. Yep. But he has been rested and missed a game here, here and there. He's had a couple of off games. That is true. I've actually got Pappenhausen as, as the best. I don't think that's a, a crime. Normally I would say, how dare you, sir? And then throw my top hat on the ground and say, I request a duel. Uh, but not today uh, because I've also forgot my dueling gloves. I think a year or two ago, fullback had sort of become a slightly weaker position just briefly. We had Everyone was going on about Teddy and Tommy and then they all thought that RTS had sort of was a step back, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like this year, I mean, Dufty's probably not in the top five, but he's been amazing. He's been great this year. Well, look, we, we've all, so you're going to the PAP and we're going with Teddy. Let's talk about the also rans. So Dufty has had a, a, a I guess he's, I'll call it a breakout year because he's been around thereabouts and been very good. But I think this year has been his most consistent year when they finally bloody picked him. And they weren't doing so well when they didn't pick him. But there have been some uh, other amazing candidates out there as well that have been Edwards playing really well. Excellent. Yeah, we talked about Edwards a few shows mm. ago. I mean, he's a real under-the-radar type player, isn't he? Because he's in a, a such a star-studded team that Dylan Edwards doesn't stand out. But, gee, he was really good. He was even very good against the Roosters on Friday. Yeah, no, he's been incredibly effective. Like you say, I mean, he, he doesn't stand out. He doesn't quite have the, um, I, I guess, that, that same level of of just unbridled explosiveness as a, as a Pappenhausen or a Tedesco, but he's incredibly he, he's incredibly busy, isn't he, as, mm. a, as a fullback? His positioning in attack and defence has been really, really good this year. He's been safe. He, he seems to make all the right decisions, and he seems to be perfect in that system that they've, that they've got going on at the moment. The where, other... where does a Sheck yeah. and a nickel clock stat, for example, sit? Are they far off the pace? Sheck, Sheck's up there. I think uh, you know the, the knock on him um, has been that you know, he, he can sometimes be a bit greedy, um, as you put it. Yeah, um, I mean, but, I think I'd, that's certainly that knock's coming from me, that's um, for sure. But uh, but I think this year he's been immense. Mm. You know. He's one of these guys, I always find he fits into this weird zone where statistically he always carves. But I, I always think in terms of being an, an influential person on the game... Roger isn't up there with a Pappenhausen. He's not up there with a Tedesco. Oh. Mm. He's, a, he's a meter eater. He's consistent. But is he that guy that, when the chips are down, tends to change a game? I personally don't think that's I the think case. I think this year he kind of has been. Maybe yeah. not to the degree, quite to the degree, but mm. with all the stuff that he always brings, he has added the occasional try assist and that sort of stuff this season that I think has elevated his game to where it, it probably hasn't been at least since 2013, but maybe yeah. ever. Kalen Ponga has to be in the conversation as well, doesn't he? I know that, uh, Mario, you're not a big fan, but he's got to be up there like a couple of rungs away from the top, doesn't he, Xander? Oh, yeah, surely. I mean, you know, 
even even accounting for for some of the average decisions he's made this year, when he's when he has been on, he's been one of the most exciting attacking players going around. And Mario, please, because I know you want to. The game is played in two directions. He has nothing in defence. <laughs> nothing. He's atrocious. I'd say he's the worst starting fullback in the game defensively. I mean, he's no he's no Ruben Garrick, but he's pretty goddamn bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're not even going to mention Garrick just for his sake. Let's go with wingers. Um, I'll start this time. For me, it, there's been some great wingers um, that I'm not going to mention, and you've, you know the likes of Kyle Felt comes to mind and Tupo. But Josh Adokar, the Fox, has to be in there for me. And I actually think David Nofaluma has to be in there as well. I think in a team that's underperformed this year, he's been a shining light virtually every game. Um, that's not an easy thing to do in a team that's getting badly beaten a lot of the time. Wingers for you. We'll go with you next, Xander. Yeah, I had uh, Tupo and Adokar as my wingers. I think I think you want a balance uh, for the for for the wing position. I think you want somebody who's got that out and out speed that uh, if they get half chance, they're just not going to be able to be caught. But I think you also body, want somebody on the wing who is a big body that will outcompete in the air for those attacking kicks. Yeah, and the one thing that Tupo is a demon yeah, at is being in the air. Close to the best in the comp, if not the... I think he yeah. is. I'd say he is. Edric Lee had a great game in the air today, actually. He did. We're going to do some centres as well. Uh, for me, th- this was a tough one, but I went with Joey Manu and Stephen Crichton. Mm. Uh, I did think about Stags, but I think there is a bit of a question mark over his defence at times. And, you know, there's obviously, you know, your Josh Morrises and and uh, Olam. It's been very good in the back end of the yeah. season. But we're talking over the whole 20 weeks. For me, it's Crichton and Manu. What about you, Xander? Yeah, I, I had the same uh, and, and the same thoughts as well. I think... Um, Fuck, we're an echo chamber. Um, you know, the others, of course, you'd have to say Croker's been pretty uh, effective this year. I mean, I, I hate Croker. Really? <laughs> yeah. He's, I, I, hate, I hate the name. I hate the name. Yeah. I hate the headgear, but I really hate the man. Yeah, I mean, he's. But I think he's been effective. I think Olam's been effective. Um, I do think uh, it's it's hard to not go past uh, Morris, you know, just given some mm. of the efforts he's put in this year. And sometimes it comes down to availability, mm. right? Like I have a feeling Bradman Best was on target um, to be one of the best this year, but he's been out for most of the year. Mm. And I have to say, even though the Knights were resoundingly thumped today, he was someone that you went, that's right, you can actually play pretty dangerous in the outside mm. backs, Newcastle, when you've got the talent there, which they haven't had for most of the year. Um, scored a very good try, obviously, as well. But, you know, in terms of availability... Another a big special shout out as well to someone that's probably gets not many of the raps in a team that's carving, and that's that's Naden. I'm a big fan yeah. of Naden. I think he's had a really great year, and, and he was definitely percolating as someone that I might have chosen. Mario, who are your centres? I'll swing back to the wingers. My brain actually. Oh, here we go. Working. He's on delay. I'm sticking with two left. It's Alex Johnston and Josh Adokar. I, nev- I definitely never said Alex Johnston. No, yeah, you see, didn't. I, you were, you're right. I'll review the tapes. But you're right. It <laughs> popped into my head that you didn't say uh, that. Yeah, Johnston's been very good. I, been very good. I think, I think that was that got back to my point about balance, right, though. So, you know, Johnson is similar to Adokar, but not quite as good. I feel like you kind of want, you know, that one big body winger as well who's going to be effective in the air. I see what you're saying, but I feel, you know, this is a really interesting thought experiment because I feel like you're both. Um, have taken this exercise as creating the best team. No, yeah. I'm not. That's my okay. point. I'm All trying right. to pick that, the best players. Because you're balancing the two wingers. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if, we're, two pick, if we're picking everybody in position, yeah. I kind of feel like, you know, well, you, you, you're you creating a team as a whole at the same time. And I, yeah. I mean, it's just interesting to say the, the way the difference, different yeah. brain, brain works. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just I never thought about that at all. I don't know who they would play. 
to be honest. <laughs> well, because on this, now going to the centres, because I picked two left wingers, I have to balance that with two right centres. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually going... Fuck I'm you going, guys are complicated. I'm going Zach Lomax and Joey Manu. Okay, that's interesting. So you've got Manu in there. Now, Lomax, he's had a tremendous year. Um, he came through the system there at the Dragons with major raps on him. I think it's fair to say that he found himself in a bit of an early hole mm. underneath that hype, but he's really buried himself out of that this year. What do you put that down to and why do you like him? Well, so in terms of what he offers, he in attack, he's amazing. He's a lot like the toe licker. They've, they've got a couple of defensive frailties, but their attack is amazing. But The toe I, licker, would that be the person that dated Fergie in the 90s? <laughs> Perhaps so. Okay. Stags might Definitely be better than, than him. Looks. Oh, Stags. Yes, that makes a whole <laughs> um, lot more sense. I think Lomax has fewer defensive frailties than Stags, which is the thing that makes him stand out. Plus, I think he's mm. more likely to throw a good pass to his winger, whereas Stags is more likely to run it and score himself. Yep. I just think overall that makes Lomax the better team player and the better contributor to the team. Um, You're 100% right about him teeing up his wingers. He's got a tremendous flick on him. And uh, yeah, you can make the most of a half space, I've noticed as well yeah. as at Lomax. So I he's mean, very I, good at that. I, I love what Crichton's done this year. and I think he's been amazing. I just yeah. don't think he's quite been as good as those two. I'm going to throw another name at you that doesn't get a lot of mentions because of the team that he plays for. But I actually think Peter Hiku's had a great year this year. Yeah, no. For he someone that's been effective. out there in the wilderness, I mean, he, he obviously debuted for you guys and to great acclaim, actually. I thought he, his first sort of season with you guys was stellar. Uh, before his sort of career went off the rails between off-field stuff and injury, this year I thought I saw the old Peter Hiku. I mean, he was teeing up. Talk about the flick passes. He, he, he was, was creating stuff with His try assist this yeah. year. I mean, <laughs> tremendous amount yeah. of um, skill and talent that guy has when he has a belief. The, the Hiku Highway, unfortunately, is still a thing, though, in defence. And he, even in the man, even in the Manly <laughs> game, highway, I like it. he managed to make Manly's shocking outside backs look good when they had the ball a couple of times, and that's quite an achievement in 2020. Yeah, so, so still stuff to work on there. Yeah. All right. Uh, look, we're going to get to the halves. We're going to start with the 5'8 position. We'll start with you, Xander. Who'd you pick in the six? Uh, won't come as too much of a surprise, but I, I picked Luke Keary. Okay. I jostled between Keary and Luai. Yeah. Uh, and I've actually gone with Jerome Luai in a narrow one just because I think over the 20 rounds, he's been a little bit more consistent than Kiri. That's the only reason I got him the nod. Yeah, fair, fair. I, I still think that when he's been on, uh, Kiri has, has been so incredibly creative. It's just, yeah. I think I think what Kiri lacks at the moment um, just is is that steadying hand of a uh, of a mature halves partner. He's you know there's been a bit more change, and I think mm. I think Flanagan's still kind of coming. Yeah, into he's his certainly own. carrying Flanagan around like the fucking stone of shame at the moment, isn't he? Uh, Mario, what about you? Who have you got in the six? I, I think Kiri's probably just had a bit too much off time. He's missed a few games as well, he so has, that yeah. kind of rules him out for me. To be fair, he came back from a, a bleeding rib cartilage a couple he, of weeks later. What a warrior! Impressive. That I my immediate thought was Luai, but I'm actually swinging towards Whiten. Yeah, yeah I mean yeah, he's I in the mix. That. He's in the mix, but I I think for me Whiten, there were periods of the year where he wasn't quite the Whiten we know. And again, I'm just talking a 20 round overview. Um, I mean, what a damaging player he but is. To me, he dragged Canberra to so many wins this year where mm. they were having an off game. And mm. the one thing you could you could rely on was White and would do something. He would score a try or set up a couple of tries and he got them into the game or won the game. And yep. as, I mean, I think Walker's been amazing, but only the last half yeah, of the year. Been, he's been yeah, amazing for a month. Yeah, we have yeah. to talk about Cody Walker. He yeah. has to get an honourable mention because the last month in particular has yeah. been outstanding. But to me, White, and, yeah, he, he's just my pick. But he's, I think Luai's the big mm. improver. He's the most impressive. 
impressive improver in five eight. Like, yeah. wow, he's been good. I think I think Whiten is uh, Whiten probably is ahead of Walker for me just because I feel like he's played in more tough games that they've managed to, to drag out of the yep. fire. Yep. And I think Walker is a great front foot player, but he's only played a great month. Whereas I think, mm. say, a Munster, for example, has played a great year. Well, we have to mention Munster because yeah. he's Mr. He, I guess we're thinking about someone like Cameron Munster is you know what you're going to get. Mm. I mean, that guy's always in the game. He's always probing and, and trying different things. You wouldn't necessarily say for five or six weeks he's, he's, he's super dominant like a Luke mm. Keery, mm. but... Every game is a fucking thorn. I think Munster, in its purest form, is the best five eighth in the NRL. It's probably. I it's don't probably fair. Li- I don't like the guy. I don't like the team and stuff. But <laughs> that doesn't come into the mix here, mate. That's not part of the criteria. To, to me, what makes him stand out is I feel like he has more time than any other five eighth. Mm. When he's got the ball, when, when we're viewing from our elevated angle with the cameras, we can see opportunities that the pl- it's harder to see on the yeah. field. It's like he's playing, looking through the camera sometimes. Is there a possibility he has a secret drone camera? Um, I, I and a, like a, one of those weird sort of advanced contact lenses, and he can actually get the overview. I have a feeling technology will eventually lead to someone cheating in that way. Well, I think given that how much I, I hate Cam Smith and what I hated most in that brief period where I liked Star Trek was... The, was <laughs> what? The, Fuck you all over the place. Was, I love it. ...was the alien race called the Borg. And I'm actually convinced that Cam Munster is a Borg. I'm glad you brought I, that to the table. That is, means see, nothing to me. See, I, I've watched Star Trek, right? No, well, not what, another I, one. I know, I know what I'm the Borg are. How, how, how is Cam Munster the Borg? Well, so maybe, explain it to me. I think Guys, the, we're losing the listeners. <laughs> I'm going to say the Storm we, are the... But we're picking up that very niche crossover <laughs> of Star Trek and Rugby League fans. The Storm are the Borg, it's as highlighted by them trying to take over Brisbane Broncos. It's their first next conquest, and then they'll no, gradually no, no, take over the, every team. The Borg Cam assimilate, Munster, though. Yeah, they're assimilating Brisbane into their system. Guys, we'll, we'll, we'll resume this later. We'll resume this later. I'll, uh, we'll get out an abacus and a calculator and you guys can do long division together. But for now, let's choose the rest of this team. <laughs> I think we do need to return to... Um, <laughs> no, we're, which, we're which going to the sevens. Correspond, off air, off air, correspond with which... This is definitely which ending. Um, number seven, I have a feeling this might be the biggest slam dunk, but yeah. I don't want to assume anything. I'll start with you, Mario. Who's your seven? I'm going to surprise you. Oh, here we go. Daily Cherry Evans. <laughs> Manly have been... Wait, you've you been ironic? I'm not being dead serious. Oh, mate, fuck off, Mario. Manly have been oh, atrocious God. all season. And yet Cherry Evans has been the one player who's excelled for us every game. He Can I say this? The last Xander, yeah. Xander, I've got to say this. This is the first chink in the Mario armour here. <laughs> we realise he's usually very objective, very fair about his own team. If anything, too cynical. But to imagine that Daly Cherry Evans has outperformed Nathan Cleary this year, I think it's I, don't, I wouldn't say laughable, but Rand, I will go with absurd. It's easy to play extremely well in a team that's going extremely well. In a team that's disgustingly bad, Cherry Evans has somehow been one of the best two players on the field every game. To be honest, even even um, like there was a period there where he was trying, but the last the last month or so, he's he's been very average. No, he hasn't. He's been really good. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way and Eventually this will Degenerate into a Star Trek chat I know it will Or we're going to Pull the gloves off Okay <laughs> um, Well just to confirm Xander uh, You and I are in agreement With Nathan Cleary yeah, Oh no I was going to say uh, Dylan Brown Out of okay. position <laughs> No no, um, no obviously Nathan Cleary um, You know I think I think Nathan Cleary um, Honourable mention Probably goes to Adam Reynolds Who I think has actually Had a really good uh, Back end of the year In particular Like I saw Today, he's one thing I'll say as much as I hate his grubby tattoos and you know, sort of 
uh, general feral look. Um, <laughs> he has got to have the most um, uh, dynamic kicking game going around at the moment. Like, I mean, the he takes more risks with a lot of his... Um, like, it, even with little things like uh, goal line dropouts and... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a creative. Re- he's a creative and, kicker. Yeah, and restarts. He does. Yeah. He does more interesting stuff with the uh, with the boot. He's than not a robot. Yeah. He's also gained a running game at times mm. this year. It's not been consistent. He hasn't yeah. done it week to week, but he has. Uh, there was one game in particular I remember about midway through the season where I think he made three line breaks, and that's something that that's more line breaks than he's made in the rest of his career. I know, because to be fair to the bloke in his defence, his body's let him down a lot, and it he has. usually hasn't got a full operating spine, and he's shaped like Corey Hotline as well, which doesn't help. <laughs> exactly. No, he's a he's a, a fantastic player, actually, Adam Reynolds. He's an annoying person to play when you you come up against him, and his combination with Cody Walker at times this year has mm. been second to none. So he's in the conversation. Um, are we forgetting anyone else in the number seven stocks? Uh, Mitchell Moses, I think, has been largely disappointing. Yeah, without started so well. Without yeah. without Dylan Brown there at six, he's he's he, yeah. he has no direction at all. Like, but it was it was noticeable last night when Brown came back. Um, they looked a lot more effective again. Instantly. Yeah. Instantly. Yeah. And you've obviously got your Jerome Hughes's. You've got your George Williams. Hughes has um, been the big Williams impre- has been good. But I, I think so. Hughes has been the most impressive in terms of unexpected. Because totally. Yeah. He's a, the guy's a fullback and he's a very good fullback. I no one really saw Bellamy pulling that one off. No, I thought it was. I thought they'd pulled the wrong rein there. Yeah. Uh, when they persevered with with moving someone who just had no organic inclination to play number seven. Yeah, he still doesn't have a great passing game, no. but it's serviceable. It's about Cole Flanagan. But, it, but his kicking game has yeah. been exceptional. Mm. And he's obviously got a good running game, there's no question. Yeah. And his defensive stuff, he's been okay with that. So he ticks most of the boxes. Yeah. He's not a complete number seven, or at least not yet. Um, who knows? If he keeps developing, maybe he'll get that deft touch when it comes to the passing game who, as well. Who, who can you compare him to of previous number sevens? I can't think of a, of a style of anyone that really jumps out of that's a successful number seven in that style. Fullback to a half, you've obviously got Lockyer. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, he was always skillfully played like a six anyway. He did, yeah. Uh, same with Ponga, even though you hate him. Um, no, I, I can't don't, really think I of don't hate Ponga. I like Ponga, honestly. <laughs> okay. It's just this year... I mean, the whole Channel 9 and Foxtel wanking over him does get tiresome, but I try not to hold that against mm. players. It's not Plus, he never fault. consents, so technically it's rape. But, you know, it's not their fault that Channel 9 and the, the, the media get this agenda. It's not the player's fault. Yeah. But that's made people hate certain players. Nathan Cleary certainly copped that a lot from fans yeah. who because he wasn't quite producing the level that they all went on about, whereas... Ponga had for at times done the amazing stuff. Mm. I mean, they spent this whole segment on Foxtel today just just going on about Ponga's sidestep. Oh, he's beat, he's got more percentage of movement than any other player. <laughs> blah blah blah. And it was just like, shut up. I know. It'd be like if they went off on a tangent talking about Star Trek. You'd fucking hate it. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Who would I do take that? exception to that? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about the bookends now, fellas. Um, I want to grab this as a pair from both of you. Who have been the best eight and ten in the competition over the duration of? the 20 rounds I'll kick off and say it was Papali and Hargraves that's who I've gone with yeah. um, it's a tough one though there's some good props around See, the, that's what I had but you told me I couldn't have um, Papali at 10 because he normally starts 8 so I put oh. in uh, I no put in... I said different positions so you had someone at centre who was a, normally a winger yeah. oh, you, no you said you, I, oh, I thought you I misread it you said I, right. needed, I needed to change pups 
Um, oh no, the pap. Oh, the pap. Okay, I thought paps <laughs> could be papali. Oh, big papa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I can see the confusion. Um, yeah, no, I, I had I had uh, hargraves and papali as well. With oh, honorable, okay. With honourable mentions to to uh, Payne Haas as well, who's yeah, been playing at ten. He's most been of good. The year. Yeah, Mario. Um, I've, I guess someone in your team's up there. Fanua Blake has uh, to be a chance. He's right up there, but my absolute hatred of the guy that I've always had. <laughs> precludes him from being an option. So <laughs> I enough. also go the same as you guys, Papali and JWH. Uh, big shout out to uh, Tikiaho as well. I think he's yeah. been exceptional. And I think he just has those occasional really quiet games. I've, I love him as a player. Yeah. I remember, it was is it Samoa he plays for or Tonga? Samoa. Uh, Tonga. 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 Okay, yeah. So um, a couple of games for Tonga in that last, I think it was the World Cup. He was, he was incredible. Exceptional. He was just carrying the team so much. He was yeah. so good. And occasionally for Roosters, he'll come up with 250 running metres or something and mm. he and he's running in running both directions so well i think he's such a great player who i don't really understand why he spent so much time on the bench as he has but robbo obviously knows what he's doing he's been a very successful coach but that's always frustrated me and i've been amazed that no other team has one of them has as a as a 60 minute prop at their club because mm. uh, i'm pretty sure for he can uh, play 80 yeah, that's the he, thing about him yep he's played 80 and been good at it so I'm really surprised that he hasn't gotten a chance elsewhere, but Roosters mm. don't lose a player they want to keep. No, and look, he's. I think the Roosters are fully aware of his value too. Yeah. Just because he's on the bench, he's not. Um, I don't think that's a reference to his lack of utility. I think that's actually about um, overall game strategy than anything else. And he's a very humble guy when you hear him speak. He's just happy to play a role. And uh, Xander, you'd probably, I don't know if you concur with this or not, but whenever Jared or Rio Hargraves is out, TKO is the guy who takes it upon yeah, himself to yeah. go up about three or four notches, and there hasn't been an occasion where he hasn't done it, um, which is probably a, a good testament to I, I how good he is. Clemmer deserves a mention. I don't think he's in that top three. I think those mm. three that we mentioned are the obvious standouts, yeah. but I think Clemmer, particularly the first half of the year, was very, very good, and he may have he's dropped off a little bit, just that little bit. He, he's still doing the the stats, but I feel like his actual impact hasn't quite been there. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but I think he deserves a mention. And where do you see the Saifidis? Because I think oh, they've, they've when been they've been so good. really good when they're there, uh, probably outperforming Clemmers when they're on. 100%. I think the problem is they carry some injuries at times, those boys. I feel like the last half of this season, they've outperformed Clemmer overall. Yeah. I've been blown mm. away by their jump. That's a real stuff. disappointing thing about Newcastle is you look at that forward pack, they should be better. A lot but of representatives, right? <laughs> He's going. You, He's he, going. He, he, he put in some great kicks today. He, he, put, <laughs> he put, put in a bomb. Put in one of the most effective bombs of the and game. That's only because he has to fill in for bloody MPs. And he got his last touch of the of his career was a try assist today. Yeah, well, good on him. And a big shout out to Aiden Guerra. Uh, you were a, a, a good player for three or four years when you're playing for the Roosters, and we appreciated it. 2013, we can never take that away from oh, you. I'm I, very I, sorry, Mario, for yeah, bringing it up. I don't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> he did run through a yawning gap, I think created by George Rose, from memory. We're going to go to the hooker stakes, because this is a really interesting position, because there's some great hookers out there, and I am denied a lot over this one. Um, and I'm still looking at the paper there mm. going, mm. I'm not sure if I chose correctly here or not. Uh, but we'll start with you, Mario. What about number nines for oh, you? You can't go past Danny Levi. What a guy. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> oh, God, just shoot me in the head now. Uh, Poor old Manly. They're not uh, blessed with a, to, a wealth of talent there. To compound the pain for Manly, I have Appy Coruscant as the, as the hooker of the yeah, year. Yeah, I, he's the guy I'm denar and I didn't go with him. Mm. I didn't go with him. What about you, Xander? Yeah, neither. I was I was close on that one, but I, I, I couldn't go past Smith. 
Um, just, Cameron Smith. Yeah, yep. just, I mean, just watching him. You know that really enrages Mario. I know it know does, that. but like you know, just just his that in, was like, him whacking his scrotum really hard repeatedly. <laughs> but what yeah. happens when he gets angry? That's it's a natural reaction to want to masturbate. Um, yeah. It's really awkward no, when he gets annoyed on the bus. Nothing like angry ejaculate. Um, but <laughs> it tastes better too, I hear. I don't know if whacking your scrotum really makes you <laughs> ejaculate. Well, you watch get different bl- porn from me. It's how you get blood to the area, mate. It's how you start things off. Um, anyway, but I just think that, that Smith's his judgment and his game management, mm. You know the, the difference when he's there and when he's not, like there's a couple of games he's missed. He just he just always seems to know the right rein to pull in um, for the storm, and he, he's he's such a difference yep. to that side. And that that's a term that I, I feel like is overused, but I'm going to use it anyway. But you game management. I mean, Cameron Smith. That's his entire value, isn't it? It's not how fast he can run anymore. It's not beating tackles. It's just managing mm. the unit, pushing I, it around like a knowing general. the right rein to pull. Yeah, I hate to admit this, but I had Smith second and barely behind Appy. He was so good. All right. Well, now I'm nervous because I haven't picked either of those men and I feel like no yeah. one's You're even mentioned it. You're not saying Damien Cook. No, he's had a really dull year, he's especially been great by his own state. six yeah. weeks, but yeah. Yeah, otherwise. no. I've, I've gone with Harry Grant. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, again, I, I think context is key there. He's, he's had not a lot to work with and he's still been a shining light when he's been there. First year out of the blocks, to be so dominant and mm. feel like he's been there for years already... He's going to be a hell of a player. I also would say honourable mention for Tom Starling. Yeah, he. It's amazing that a Newcastle reject. Yeah. To to play that well when thrust into the position and he plays a different style from the pommy git that's there, <laughs> and yet he's somehow made that position. He's done all the right things that have been asked of him. I'm not. I'm not saying he's been one of the best two uh, hookers, but no, I think but he's, he's probably in the top five. Definitely propped up their season. Yeah. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And uh, and look, I, I'd say if he was playing in that role, I think maybe McInnes could have been in the, in the mention. But, I mean, he's a guy that I, th- I always feel like is a, such an unsung hero because he's just doing what's best for the team. And he has not got the body to play in the second row, could, but he tries anyway. Could not the same be said of Ben Hunt, who I think also was actually mm. rather good this year at hooker, and yet the fans of the Dragons still just They still want to lynch him. him. Yeah, they still want to lynch him. But th- that's, I think, something unique to Dragons fans. Big shout-out to Giannis Mateus. Um, but I, I feel like it might be, uh, because, you know, they used to hate Trent Barrett. They used to hate... They, hate, they seem to hate every coach they've ever had. I feel like it's just the Dragons set a high bar... And unless you're Wayne Bennett, they fucking hate you. I think they're just a hateful group of people. <laughs> they I'm are. glad we could decide on that. I mean, they're, they're a team that apparently supported the introduction of the GST. Okay, well, right there. That's, that <laughs> I mean, says everything, doesn't should, it? That is true. They, are. Yeah. <laughs> they, they still have that fan who holds up the GST sign at every game. And look, we're interested from any of our listeners as well. If you want to hop on Twitter, uh, let us know how poor or how correct we are in our assertions of these players as we go through them. We're up to the second rowers. Um, Xander, we're going to start with you, you this time. Just give us the pair. Who have you got in 11 and 12? I've gone two very big bodies. Uh, I've, gone, I've gone Kikau and uh, Asofa Solomona. Ooh, yeah. They're, they're hard to go by. I mean, Asofa's an interesting property, mm. isn't he? Because he's come off the bench, I think, most of the time. For a lot of the year, but he's, he's been major starting. Major impact. Yeah, he's been starting lately, mm. right? So and he I was mean, even starting. He was a, played the lock, I think, yeah, this, he did. this game. Yeah. So he's been moved around a lot. Mm. But when you say big bodies, you weren't fucking lying. Yeah, well, that's what I, I, I thought about it, and uh, you know, 
with those kind of um, uh, back rower positions, there there is something about having them just coming at speed um, <laughs> with with two meters of, of basically physical of meat heading toward you. Mario, is it fair to say that Xander's chosen possibly the largest back rower pairing in the rugby league history <laughs> with Solomona and uh, and Kikau because they are. I mean, what would the the group kiloage be between It'd be them? Close to three hundred. I think it's the it's the fucking uh, Queen Mary. But essentially, it's, you know, again, I kind of picked of gross them, tonnage. I kind of picked them with a view of, you know, how would I like this side to play? And I, I do like the idea of, you know, you want you want front football. Mm. You've got those two bodies, you know, they, they're going to just take out so much gas out of the opposition, right? I agree with yeah. you. Look, it's um, it's a weird one. I've gone with, um, look, it's a, I, 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 I'm denied with kick out, right? Mm. I wanted to get him in there and I, I went with someone else in the same team. Who I think probably doesn't get the same um, amount of of admiration and props, but I think he's been a huge driver of what the Panthers have done this year, and it's Liam Martin. Mm. I think in terms of just being that consistent work rate player, and he gets cut through, he really bends them back a lot. Loves to cross the try line as much; <laughs> it doesn't get across as much as a kick out. But he is someone who's also hunting for points, which is not something you always get in a second rower. So I've gone with Liam Martin. Then my second choice is to do with the fact that he's probably the most improved player over the last 12 months, and that's Luciano Lalua. Because mm. I just think he has, compared to what he has been, and I didn't think he was a bad player for the Dragons by any stretch, but the, the leaps and gains, he's one of the few guys to really improve under match because <laughs> most of them, I think, don't like him. Um, but he's actually gone really, really well, gone up to another level and been very impressed with him this year. But we'll uh, throw over to you, Mario. I've got, I agree strongly with Liam Martin. He doesn't quite get there for me. The ones that I, I'm shocked that I'm the one saying and not you, I'm going Angus Crichton. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, he, I was thinking about him too, but he's been off the bench for most of the year. I don't think he, he started like two games. He started even less than... And he was injured yeah. a good portion of it. He yeah. has, but the games he's played, I yeah. think he's been incredible. If it was just on the past month, I'd have him there, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's one of these guys, he, he's almost a bit of a lightweight, mm. you know, he's for not, his position. He's but not huge, but Jesus, talking about bending the line back. Yeah, he, he punches above his weight. Yeah. 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 For me, it's his defense in particular. Mm. That I mean, he runs a great line, but defense from Angus Crichton is second to none, you know, and he snuffs out half chances a lot mm. of the time too because he's quite mobile. He's not just a big frame. He's not just a, a Nelson. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think he'd fare as well in a Bali fight, if I'm going to be honest, as Nelson Asafa Solomona did. By the way, who the fuck picks a fight with him in Bali? <laughs> Do you imagine that? Like, why? That's a death he sentence. But you huge. don't pick a fight with him. You, you pick a fight with his knees. Exactly. You know, like it's just... I'd rather be part of the fucking Bali Nine. The only fight I'm picking with him is a foot race. I can win that. <laughs> well, but the thing is, I don't think I could win that either. <laughs> I'm officially the most deconditioned physically He's... I think I've ever been. But his stride'd probably catch a lot of people anyway. <laughs> no, right, he, you know, he catches me and he kills me. That's what happens in that horrible tale. So my second player is another one that you probably won't expect, and it's about as different from Kikau as you can get. I'm saying Elliot Whitehead. Yeah, I, th he was I in the thought mix. about Elliot. I was thinking about him too. So I, I kind of went two ways when I was thinking about it. I was thinking of, of, of Crichton and Whitehead or basically two massive bodies, mm. and I'm like... Yeah, no, he was definitely <laughs> yeah. in the mix for me. Yeah. Elliot I, I Whitehead's would, been ex exceptional this I year. I would like Whitehead to run a bit harder at times, but he's not that big, and I, so I think he does use what he knows he's got. And I think he's got a deceptively decent kick in him. His cutout ball to the winger has been quite good this year. He's and extremely skillful. Yeah, his backing up's good. His defense, he's, he could probably chase a little harder than he does at times. But mm. when he wants to, 
it's most game. I think when the game is on the line, he will chase. His, he's like a bit of a James Graham, and that yeah. way he will run as hard as anyone to cover. I think once a ball is sort of out of the way, he will just do a bit of a lazy jog and then think afterwards, "Oh crap, I should have run for that." Yeah. But no, I think honestly, I think inside his his brain, he's a frustrated half. I, I think, think he so. wants to be a halfback. A bit of a and, Dave Taylor. Yeah, a little bit of a Dave Taylor, but really effective and not mental. Um, which always helps. We're going to finish off now. We're going with the lock position. Um, I think for a lot of people, this might have been a lock, although, I, you know, not this year. I've, I think that this person has probably dominated for many, many years. But for me, I didn't choose him. I'm not sure if you know who I'm talking about yet. I've gone with Nathan Brown for the Eels, uh, narrowly beating Jason Taumalolo, who would normally carve in that position for me. But he's been, by his own standards, a bit quiet and playing in an exceptionally shit team, which never helps. Uh, Mario, we go to you next. I, I, I worry that we're all not going to pick Taumalolo for the same reason the media doesn't pay attention to him. That we've gotten so used to what he does that when yeah. he ha- when he pumps out 180 meters, we're just we're all, bored by it. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the average prop prop or lock pumps out 180, we're going to froth over how amazing they are. So. Yeah. I'm also not picking Taumalolo, but I'm worried that I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. I'm actually going to say Isaiah Yo. He's been very good this year. Very good this year. Uh, and it, I, he's finally getting some... Uh, I don't think in years gone by he's got many reps. Uh, he's not the type of guy that does. He's been too busy stumbling around concussed has been the problem previously. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, la- late last year, so the second half of last year, I thought he was their best player when mm. they were looking okay and finishing ninth or 10th or whatever. Yep. And I was very impressed by him when I, everyone had always said, oh, he's this overrated nothing. Yep. But now I think he's chronically underrated, even though he's actually being noticed but I don't think he's been noticed enough I think he's just incredible he doesn't look like someone who should bust tackles a bit like an Angus Crichton yeah somehow he just keeps doing it so um obviously before he got injured Victor Radley might have been on track oh, for something th- like this I think he was leading yeah, Rad- Radley would have been a shoe in I think he, the way he he burst out of the blocks yeah he was going to be he my, was on fire block. absolutely on fire I, I think you guys finished second it had Radley not gotten injured, you wouldn't have caught Penrith, but you, yeah. I think you finished second. He's a he was a great additional angle of attack mm. as well, and especially since we're coming off the Cronk factor and trying to fill it in with Flanagan, who's not there yet. Having someone with the skill factor that he has to essentially be a second halfback was a, a major advantage. We we should mention him, and and Marius could be a sore point, but normally in the in the chat would be Jake Jaboyevich as well. Mm. But um, you know his form sort of tailed off this year well, along with the let's, team. Let's move on from that. All right, we won't we won't <laughs> delve too deeply into that. Cameron Murray, would we have seen him in the conversation? He's been. Why do we think his form's dropped off as much as it has? Because it's not as though Souths have been terrible this mm. year. But but certainly Cameron Murray is not what he was last he, year. I mean, he started to come good again, but he just looks a bit off the pace for me this year. Mm. I don't feel like he's... A bit subdued? Yeah, I, he, he doesn't look like he's quite attacking the ball as hard, or at least in the first half of the season. Maybe not now, but I, I just don't feel like he's he's all there this year. He it just looks a little distracted or something. It might yep. be a fitness thing. It could be any number of things. I'd, maybe he's been busy covering up for Sam Burgess's crimes. I don't know. <laughs> Look, we're going to finish off with a coach. This is just a curveball. We didn't Des ask you to one. do I it. I did, didn't uh, give uh, you my, my lock. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Sander. Go ahead. So Nathan Nathan Brown as well. Ah, okay. And, and tell us why. <laughs> there you go. Uh, for, for the same uh, same reason as you, to be honest. I mean, I think that in, in para during that strong streak of theirs in particular, he just given them... Um, 
both a physicality and, and also a, a bit of a dynamism there. I actually thought he was a pretty good ball player for um, you know, for them when they were when they were scoring points still. Yeah, <laughs> in particular, and, and he's ex- super aggressive. Yeah, that's what I do love about him. He's, he's also got an extra level of cowardice. I'm a big fan of. <laughs> I, I think his nickname should be Sally because he loves to lay down. That is a bit of a knock on him, isn't it? Because he's done that a couple of times, and it has been. But he's not alone. He's Unfortunately, a, it's a growing trend within the, the NRL. He's the ultimate faux tough guy in the NRL, in my opinion. He's a good player, and yeah. I do agree he's had a good season. I don't think he should be considered as the best one because he missed a fair chunk of the start of the season. How many weeks was he out? Because I, I can't like remember he, him being out for that I, long. I thought he missed a good six, seven weeks. Did he really he? miss I might, that long? I might be wrong. I know he's been out for suspension a couple of times because that's his problem. He's he gets in trouble mm. with the judiciary. A bit too much. Um, doesn't quite play within the confines of the game. It reminds me a bit of uh, JWH's early career, actually, mm. before he he managed to kind of temper his anger in the right direction. Hopefully, Nathan Brown, for this, for the eel's sake, goes in that direction as well. I think when he's got the ball in his hands, I think it's not faux aggression. He mm. he likes coming off the back fence. He'll put. He's a bit of a mossy Masoy when he was playing yeah. for Samoa, for example. It's really impressive when other guys might just lumber towards a line. He yeah. always is pumping his legs, and I do like that about him. Yeah. I, I just I think he just lacks in the skill factor a bit too much compared to the others. The it other is. It's a fair. That's a fair criticism. Mm. He doesn't got the same ball skills as a doesn't lot of the got. other guys. He doesn't have a lot of he, those other ball skills. Before you go, Xander, I want to say this because um, you just reminded me what an amazing story that's been with Mossé Massot. And yeah. I mean, someone that uh, I mean, it was looking very grim for a little while there in terms of the quadriplegia. And there's been videos of him in the last week walking unassisted. I, I think incredible. Cam, I've seen that. It's I think incredible. Cam Smith and um, Jordan McLean would be very offended by that sight. Thank you for listening to The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast prepared to palm off the big issues. The program would like to advise listeners that because its hosts have developed a gold Rolex shopping addiction, they need your help. Please make comments and ratings on Apple Podcasts, or alternatively, awkwardly shoehorn the show into conversations with friends and loved ones. You may also wish to follow the show across social media platforms, They include Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. The Voluntary Tackle is now also available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Thank you again for flying with The Voluntary Tackle. Your luggage is now our property, and you will not be seeing it again. In the event of a non-traditional landing, please assume the Russians have blown another plane from the sky, and feel free to panic. No, of course, we haven't got anywhere. We never go anywhere. We live here in the studio. And I sleep on the desk uh, very snugly next to Xander Rosado. And occasionally, Mario sleeps by our feet. Because that's how dedicated we are to rugby league here at the Voluntary Tackle. We we don't do anything else. It, occasionally, lovely. we talk about Star Trek when we shouldn't. It'd be lovely if you ever at least provided me a mattress but, so to sleep on. Actually, back to... <laughs> not made, back of, money. Not made <laughs> of money. Back to no, Xander. We're not fucking Star doing Trek. it. No more Star Trek. That I is want gone. to unpack this Borg analogy. <laughs> no, in your own time. <laughs> I think you're thinking about it a lot more than I thought about it when I made it. See, I'm fascinated now, by, listeners, by that, that particular era of Star Trek. <laughs> listeners, we're going to do our patented mascot war. And uh, as a bit of a twist this week, or I'm, going to, I'm going to call it a treat. Even that probably probably's not. It's like a lump of coal in your stocking at Christmas. But we're going to call it a treat because it's going to be Donald Trump themed 
this time. And it's going to be a three-way contest and it's going to be up to us and yourselves to decide who would win a game of rugby league uh, between these mascots. Now, uh, we haven't had any time to think about it, but we know it has to be Trump-related. So do we think we, we've able to think aloud right now and come up with a mascot? How confident do we feel? Yeah, I've got my mascot ready. Okay. Um... Okay, I've got one. A- am, right. am I allowed to just pick Trump as my mascot? You can if you like, mate. Okay. You can go straight out. Spoiler alert. All right. Well, we'll go in a row and it has to be rapid fire. We're going to go Xander Murray, then me. Okay, on the count of three. One, two, three, go. California COVID-19s. Okay, yep. Trump. And I'm going to go the Ivanka Trump Titan Toronto tits. Basically, her pair of fake breasts. Is that a mould of her tits or just her actual? No, the actual fake tits. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's so confusing. that's what we're dealing with. I know, it is very confusing. All right. Um, so we'll start off with you, Mario. So in this three-way contest, we've got Donald Trump. And actually, it's not hard to ima- imagine this, Donald Trump going after Ivanka's tits because he's physically attracted to his own daughter, which is really odd. And, and who do you go against, Xander? The, the California COVID-19s. Okay. So we know look, this has been... He hasn't got good form on the board against COVID, uh, but he is, he's new to the competition, COVID as well. It's That's a new right. franchise. Hasn't been around for long, but God damn, they've done some damage. <laughs> They have. Look, they've, they've, got, they've knocked up a lot of points on the board, mate. They really so have. Right. <laughs> um, I think that, that game last round, uh, last week, where they really thumped India, was very impressive. In NRL, <laughs> if you can't defend against a vaccine, though, then you're going to fail. I think we've got to cut that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. Somebody's going to look at this and just go, you evil fucks. Yeah, I think that's what weekly people think. So I think we're okay. Um, so... Let's start with you against Anders team, Mario. So you're Donald Trump. You're coming up against COVID nineteen. How do you see the battle going? It's not. It's not only. I got to clarify. It's okay, not just, sorry. It's the California COVID nineteen. Okay. We, and we know that there's nothing that Donald hates more than the West Coast elites. Okay. So it's a hipster version it's, it's, of the virus. It's a bunch of you know superior Whole Foods um, shopping uh, COVID nineteen viruses. Okay. Well, that from, would be his worst nightmare, Coast, wouldn't it? You know, I, ones that read books. <laughs> I hate to admit it, but. I, I, I was very confident going into this, but mm. given the competition that I've got, yeah. I, I'm not feeling too confident. My my theorizing was that Donald Trump, mm. let's pretend I'm him for a moment. Oof. I don't I don't really know a lot about rugby league. You might say that I'm an absolute expert on it and nobody knows more about rugby league than me. I'm tremendous at it. You look at my shoulders, they're so huge. <laughs> He's suddenly Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Well, you know, he does Huge have, is how he says yeah, it. I think yours. his lineage could be Austrian. So it's, I think technically yours. Mario might be German. on the money. German. Is he is yeah. he He's, yeah, because yeah, yeah, it was Zumpf or Dr- what was his original Drumpf. surname? Drumpf. He, yeah, he Drumpf. Was, he's on the record as saying, you know, I've got German blood. It's good stuff, that German blood. Yeah, which, <laughs> yeah. which he'd never... He, which, he said that at the Holocaust Museum, that's, which that's wasn't right. good. Um, okay, so you are in trouble, but I also want to throw in the extra variable of my team here. You're a big distraction to me. I'm, I'm a huge I'm, distraction, a, yeah. A, if I'm Donald Trump, I'm too busy staring at your tits or your ass mm. to, to bother even and my defending big, against COVID-19. My big worry when I come up against Donald Trump, apart from being running away as his daughter my whole life from his wandering hands, is the fact that you have an orange complexion and dead people usually go green. I don't know if I ever see Donald Trump dying. I think it'd be tough to see him actually physically change colour because he is effectively fluoro orange. Well, we wouldn't see it because he's got so much caked on makeup. Yeah. But Do you think that's what it is? Or is he actually under the solarium so often that he's 
He's gone a healthy no, we, orange. We, we we know that it's it's uh, it's not a natural <laughs> color because whenever the, whenever the wind blows too far, you kind of see the edges of his makeup. <laughs> yeah, you see. He the looks real. like he looks like Jack Nicholson in, in Batman. It's just oh, ridiculous. Are we sure that Donald Trump didn't actually die about fifteen years ago and got sneakily replaced by Avril Lavigne? I'm fairly confident. 